We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater throw into the end zone. Touchdown! Samuel still on his feet inside the five to the end zone. Touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He Fans, it is another edition of the Royal Podcast, General Manager Edition, as the Panthers have finally made their move after 15 Zoom interviews, 15 Zoom candidates in this new world we live in. They have finally found their man, Scott Fitterer. I've had to practice that name 17 times so far. Scott Fitterer, a uh, personnel exec from the Seattle Seahawks, is coming to Carolina. And as always, Billy Marshall is here to give you all the instant analysis you need. Billy, hope you're doing well. Let's dive into it. What are your first impressions of what we've seen today? Scott Fitterer is the new general manager of the Panthers. Your thoughts? Sure. So uh, I definitely think they went um, through a transparent, well, I shouldn't say transparent. They definitely cast a wide net. And this is probably the smartest approach because they spoke to um, you know, many different candidates of different backgrounds, analytics people, cap guys, scouting guys, pro personnel, former NFL GMs. Mm-hmm. So they went through a pretty thorough process. Now, obviously, you know, in these situations, um, you know, a GM job like Denver, they there's opened um, later than ours and they were able to get, get a hire sooner. Right. Um, but I, I feel like, in comparison to Denver and Houston, I'll add that one too. Um, it feels like those two franchises, they kind of knew who they wanted and they really didn't care about interviewing um, other individuals. And that's something to take away from those two, um, you know, GMs that got hired. Uh, but I feel like Carolina took, uh, at least in my view, a more holistic approach. Um, they, like I said, they, they went through the process. Now, um, we can debate some of the merits of the candidates involved. Um, But I mean, for me, again, I don't really know much about these guys. Uh, I know we previewed as much as we could last week. Twitter seems to know Um, all about them, Billy. Yeah, obviously Twitter. We'll we'll get to that later. Um, But no, uh, Fritcher, I believe is how you pronounce it. Fitcher. Fitterer. 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 Okay. Um, but no, I mean, he's been in Seattle's front office and uh, I mean, there's people and we'll get into this. I just feel like there's a lot more to determining who is and who isn't a good GM uh, based upon, um, you know, how they draft. So for me, I I've always just been impressed with how Seattle approached is the draft they like to trade down and accumulate more picks now we can debate whether those are the right players and again i'm all for having that discussion but for me i I think that 
it, it just it seems like they went through the correct process and i think that's probably the most important thing to take away from this is that they went through it and i i think some of the details can be um you know debated and i'm sure we'll have that but i think that everyone can appreciate what they went through. They didn't just go for like the nepotism hire, the quick fix, maybe like they did last year where they didn't go through the entire search. It just, after they met with rule, they made them an offer on the spot this year. It felt a lot more um, thorough. I told folks, Billy, yesterday that, you know, you and I had, had spoken about this, and we'll get to this later, about, you know, just managing expectations for a new hire because we don't know what's going to happen. He could be Vinny Serrato. He could be Ron Wolf. We don't know yet. But but I'll say this. To your point that you just made, the, the process could not been any clumsier, in my view, than it was last year with the Mad Rule situation. Um and then the messaging after that was sloppy. So I think they've learned some lessons. I don't think I did this for show, but they learned some practical lessons in terms of it's a Zoom environment. We're all going virtual. Take advantage of it. Line up as many candidates as we can within reason. And honestly, the list, I mean, it, it, other than maybe Jerry Reese, who, who felt a little retready, I, I didn't see too many people that I would object to on that list. I mean, I, you have preferences here and there, but ultimately you ended up with a final four of Monty Austinfort, Adam Peters, Ryan Poles, and then sort of a late entry with Scott Fitterer. And I thought that was interesting that the, the late entry ended up getting the job. So it, it definitely makes you wonder what, what type of interviews went well, what type of interviews maybe didn't go so well. You just never know with these things, but I, I do find it interesting too, Billy, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You still have Pat Stewart, of course, who is the player personnel director at the moment. I don't know if they're going to move him around or not. I doubt they will. Uh, Samir Suleiman, who's the uh, salary cap manager, each of whom have a pretty diverse set of skills or a pretty contrasting set of skills. I should say Samir is definitely a, a legal type. He's a legal legal. He's going to be the guy that hopefully keeps Carolina He's more the cap guy. He's a cap guy, keeping them moving forward in terms of good, responsible spending and an advisory role. And then Patrick, you know, obviously has a little more scouting experience. So I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about maybe an analytics GM coming in. I, I felt that might've been somewhat redundant, but that's the only thing I can say to that is there wasn't one candidate on that list. I really would have had a big problem with. I'm, I'm interested to find out more about this Fitterer guy. Cause honestly, leading up to this, I've done homework on all these guys, Billy and Fitterer popped up the last couple of days. So I'm just not, I'm not too interested in comparing what Seattle's done in the draft and translating that into what's going to happen. That's a really bad exercise to get into, but I'll say if he can bring some of that, you know, aura they have from, Seattle and, and most importantly, some of their winning processes they developed uh, from that. I think that would be of value. Um, but I, in terms of that dynamic, let's kind of look at what we're dealing with here from the coach and the owner's position. You and I have talked about this, Matt Rule and Dave Tepper. Joe Person put out a report, you know, a couple of days ago in which he alluded to some, and again, it wasn't made to be a huge drama, but look, there was some disagreement between the two of them in terms of analytics versus scouting when choosing a candidate. Now, I just want to let you know, Billy, I'm reading up on Joe's stuff tonight, and he made another mention of it. And I want to read this to you real quick and then just get your take on that situation and if it's something you're concerned about. Joe writes this tonight with – Panthers owner David Tepper and head coach Matt Rule unable to agree on a clear GM choice after interviewing a diverse group of 13 candidates last week. They added two more to the list, Omar Khan and Fitterer. So that might be nothing. It might just be one more tea leaf you can read. But I, I, we had this talk earlier, Billy. I, you, you can't really get on the owner too much because the owner is the owner. He's not going anywhere. So at some point, if Matt's in disagreement consistently with the coach about or with the owner about this, that's a little concerning to me. Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, I mean, d- disagreement can be healthy, but as, as far as this goes, um, here's just my take on the entire situation. And I'm a huge proponent, as you know, of, 
kind of uh, modern and data-driven processes. It's what I do for my job. It's kind of, I look at the successful organizations in all of sports, not just the NFL. I look at the NBA and NHL, um, MLB, and even going into European soccer. Um, all of the successful or most of the successful organizations have um, a very forward-thinking, progressive data approach that they implement. Now, it doesn't mean that they're all going to be like the Houston Astros, but it's it's a huge part of of each successful organization. Now, I think that the disagreement here is – um, I don't think it's notable. I think it's expected. I mean, I'm, I never really saw Matt Rule as, you know, a analytically friendly visionary. I mean, we saw his fourth down decision making and um, during the season, and it wasn't great. There, there were just a lot of things that they did um, that was uh, a little discouraging from that point of view. We discussed. You know, the debacle, in my opinion, that happened in Green Bay where they were kicking field goals down oh, 11. Um, so for me, it's expected. But at the end of the day, you have to give credit. I'm, I, this is going to sound a little weird, but you got to give credit buck, to the owner. Buck, buckle up, kids. You're about to hear something to blow your socks off. No, you have to give credit to the owner. No, I agree. Um, and we can, we were critical of him, but this is ultimately his team. He's the one spending billions of dollars. And at the end of the day, most if not all general managers are hired by the owner and so for the owner to step back and give matt rule this autonomy of selecting a gm based upon you know what he wants in the traditional college scouting world i think that speaks a lot to some of the humility and maybe the um, you know, Tepper not really being a stronger voice for them. He's listening to what the coach wants. So you have to give him credit there. Now, yeah. me personally, I know you also wanted the guy from Cleveland. I wanted him too. That's an analytically guy, analytically kind of process guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It, 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 it stands to reason that, you know, Tepper had the right mindset, but Matt didn't want it. And so this is, at the end of the day, this is down to rule. He's going to have to make this work now. Well, I mean, we can't keep sitting here making excuses. Um, the owner is providing the resources. Yes. They're, he, they're giving him a general manager who he wanted. Um, and they're going to give him, you know, as much as possible. They went out and they, you know, paid all their college coaches, just to interject real quick i'll let you finish that thought but the, the, just a quick comment on what you just said the part about again part of our business here is we're in the conversation business we try not to be the hot take factory and just throw stuff out for red meat that doesn't have any substance billy and i don't believe in that we have the same core values i think in terms of content but at a certain point when good reporters are, are alluding to things that you know again it comes back to that report again where you know, there's some disagreements on analytics versus scouting. Okay, that's fine. That happens. Maybe that's inserted as a comment because of all the emphasis Matt Rule makes about being collaborative. The one thing I've come to understand about Matt is he's a college coach and he speaks like one. <laughs> These guys are used car salesmen when they speak. And I, I get worried a little bit about the fact that, to your point, he's been given as much as anybody's ever been given as a head coach in the NFL, the sixth or seventh highest contract in the league, you fly him up, you know, you're going down to Waco and having meatballs and trying to, to win him over. And, and you give a dump an extra million in his pocket to not go to the giants in the last hour. And then after all that, you know, I, I think at a certain point, Matt, Talks a good game about, oh, guys, I just want to be a coach. As you've heard that in the pressers. I'm just here to coach. I don't want to talk about Taylor Moten's contract. And here we are, you know, one week into the offseason, and Taylor ha- or, uh, Haskins is in for a visit without a GM. So that's kind of a signal there that, you know, hey, you know, it's maybe it's exploratory. But to your point, you know, I, I, I do get concerned that if in the, the next year or two, if Matt doesn't start producing, even this year, you know, Dave might get a little irritated. He's like, look, I've given you what you want. It's time to win 10 games at least and get this thing rolling. Yeah, I think that they're going to be as patient as they can. Um, but for me, I, I think the concerning, not the concerning thing, but just you know, to tie up my entire conversation, it's the point is the resources to be successful 
successful are there. And I, I don't really see this owner interjecting as much as people try to make it out. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people are trying to make him out to be a Jerry Jones type. And I just, I don't feel like um, that conversation is pertinent at this point. Um, Certainly he's said, and he's done some things that are concerning, like the three, four comment a couple years ago. But I feel like the last year, at least after they hired rule, I have no issue with anything that the owner has done. Now, if, if, if we see reports that he's you know, demanding, you know, certain players in the draft or he's going out to Indianapolis to scout <laughs> guys with stopwatches and yeah, 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 I'll be a little more concerned. But right now I, I feel like mm-hmm. resources are there for the head coach to succeed. Oh. And at the end of the day, that's what he's giving the owner, in my opinion, took the, the right approach to try to modernize and move this organization forward with a data-driven guy. And I'm sure maybe that is something that they're going to do in the future. I know they have the guy, uh, Taylor Rajak, already still on staff. But for me, the the biggest issue with this organization, um, you know, over the years back in the Gettleman and the Herney and even before that, John Fox days, is, you know, there's just a lot of old guard still part of this uh, really let me tell you and it's not just football too the and then they're not bad guys here but but two of the the big pr head honchos that run communications there scott and uh and uh, i'm not scott uh what's his name steve drummond you know and uh ryan they're good guys but those are richardson guys so i mean you still yeah, have yeah. a lot of left over there from that regime no 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 doubt i'm, I'm just like looking at I mean, you, you look at all of these former scouts and personnel guys who used to be here, like a Joe Shane or a, a yeah. Ryan Cowden or Brandon Bean, obviously, and They're so on and so on. <laughs> They're having success. So you hear, you hear, and see all these people who are part of this team. And they're elsewhere. And yeah. and who are these guys taking these positions now? That's why I feel like, well, um, d- despite dis- despite the GM, uh, a new GM coming in, they have they have to restructure and rebuild the entire front office, in do. my opinion. They do. And here's the thing: I friend uh, working with media relations there had directed me to some good content on how to uh, piece together who does what right now. Now it's all fluid, but you know, give you a few names: Jeff Morrow. You know about him director of player personnel uh matt allen obviously uh, he's been here for 11 years and i want to say he's related to jerry richardson i think that's his grandpa i don't know something um and then you've got a director of human performance now director of nutrition uh todd green video director but then you know you get down to your scouting department that's what you got to start thinking about brian porter director of football ops he's been there for a long time 18 years taylor rajak you mentioned he's been in the league for seven second year of the panthers so does his stock rise now with you know the advancement of analytics he's the director of analytics there does he get to build a department now you'd like to see some more you know, uh, I guess definitions to the press and to the public as to how that analytics department works. Pat Stewart, Suleiman, they're safe. And then you've got, you know, James Blanchard, Jeff Bethard, uh, Robert Haynes, Jonathan Fields, Rob uh, Hanrahan, uh, Luke Keekley, <laughs> Mike Martin, Lee McGill. You've got a list of guys here, Billy. And, and I don't want to say I worry about these guys, but this is part of the business. You do wonder that, you know, when, when you do have a new GM come in who's from a completely different environment and you have a, a an owner who's pretty new to this, there could be some ambitious turnover moves made here. So yeah, to your point, you know, I don't know a whole lot about these scouts. I'm not going to pretend to, but I know some of them by name. I've seen them around. And I think there's a very real possibility when these things come around, Billy, that it all starts with the internal stuff that these guys have to build. It's not just the GM's name and, and track record. You're exactly right. I've seen you all week post this. How do you rank your GM? I've had that question all week in my mentions, and I gave somebody a top three list, and I was like, Let's look, there's three guys I really like, but I can't give you too much because when they get there, they're going to have to put their stamp on things. And I'm just curious to see how uh, – how active they are in that role because we're, we're coming up on the on the senior bowl and the draft will be around the corner so it's it, they're gonna have to move quick on some of this stuff if they do yeah I'm, I'm with you there well it's an interesting uh hire in a lot of ways i want to get your thoughts too on you know a couple of other items uh panthers related but i don't know if 
we haven't heard any updates here of late, but I know it's expected that Terry Fontenot is going to get the job in Atlanta, uh, the general manager opening there. He's a uh, exec down in New Orleans who has apparently opted to stay on until the end of their season. So he's not going to officially get on board with Atlanta until then. But you're, you're talking about, again, Joe Brady, who after year one remains right there with, I guess, Arthur Smith as the two favorites in Atlanta. Billy, are you thinking Joe Brady's going to get a job? Where do you stand on this right now? I'm not sure. It, it, maybe a few days ago, I thought he was probably the favorite yeah. um, for the Falcons job, but now it, there's just some, a lot more reports um, linking Arthur Smith as a stronger favorite. Uh, so I don't know. These things are so fluid that it's just hard to get a read on who is and who isn't a favorite until it until it happens. And there's a lot like can't because of COVID. Um, you know, the second interview, which is technically like the first in-person interview, there's a lot of coaches going through that process because you have to go through the first interview, which is all on Zoom. And then the second is technically your traditional first interview where you go meet them. Yeah, I, I'd love to talk to you. Like I said, we're going to try to speak with Joe Person next week, working on a time for him. And I'd love to talk to Joe because he's got some connections and sources that could help us understand uh, the dynamics of interviewing in, in, in a Zoom world right now for that position. You know, because, you know, these football guys, Billy, I mean, some of these stories you hear about, you know, you got to meet a guy face-to-face to really get a sense of, you know, who they are. And I, I think maybe this process we've been through with COVID – has sort of changed the way we look at doing things now moving forward. You know, there's still value in meeting people one-on-one. I don't question that. That's the business I'm in, like here in analytics. I respect that. I'm very much in the communications biz and radio and, and you have to have that. But at a, s- a certain point, I think we've all learned we can get things done more efficiently. I just love to know how these interviews seemed from uh from the from the inside there we'll have to pick his brain on that if joe does leave you know i made the comment the other day sort of tongue-in-cheek but you know i've been through this as a panthers fan with gil haskell with rob chudzinski of course it was year two for chud if he does leave are you are have you started considering maybe what's next yeah it, it seems like the more natural um the natural move will be to promote jeff nixon right um, you know, I thought he was probably going to be the OC before they actually pursued Brady. Um, so I, I was, you know, pretty surprised that, you know, he took a position uh, job. But, yeah, I, I think that's most likely going to be the natural, um, you know, kind of evolution, I guess. Yeah. I would think so. I just want to give you thoughts on that. I wrote a piece last year uh, about – how Matt Rule might go in terms of uh, staffing. A buddy of mine that uh, posts frequently on one of the uh, message boards I got to know a little bit, and who's, I don't know, he's got a vault of information about these coaches. I guess he used to work around these guys, but he had talked about Jeff Nixon uh, as a possibility, and it's an obvious connection. But, you know, Sean Ryan's name again had come up about the QB coach. I don't know. We'll have to see all that play out. I mentioned Anthony Lynn last week, but, you know, again, Lynn – left on kind of a sour note and i, I think he might want yeah to that on. that would be a very bad idea <laughs> okay well tell, tell me tell me why because i think people, a lot of people out there seem to think not not me necessarily that a guy like anthony lynn would, would be okay as a coordinator this the game management stuff was overwhelming for him no 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 is it a schematic thing well, what is it about lynn that hits you wrong uh, he, he he is a former running backs coach. He he yep. is going to want to run the ball as much as possible, and that would be such a huge deviation from what they just went through. Now, I'm not going to sit here and you know kind of compare, um, you know, Joe Brady and Anthony Lynn. I, I don't want to do I, that. What I, I don't want to get you down a rabbit hole on it. I just wanted to get your yeah. Get no, your I, I that would. That would be a disaster if I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Yeah, Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn is like a, a Jeff Davidson type. I, I don't want that. <laughs> I love when you reference Davidson. It always makes me smile. We're going to bring in the zone block in this year, Billy. Let's rock. <laughs> what a shit storm that was. Oh man. Um, all right. So here's where we're at guys. Uh, Scott Fitterer 
is the uh, new GM. He comes to you from Seattle, 47 years old. Hey, look, he played a little baseball, Billy. I, I read up on that today. Uh, and, you know, he worked around – he'd been there since 2001, by the way, in Seattle. I had no idea. He's been there for 20 years, Bill. Worked in the Mike Holmgren administration there. Uh, went through several coaching changes and worked his way up. But, you know, John Schneider's worked uh, with him. Obviously, uh, Ted Thompson was a part of that 2001 staff. And uh, Scott McLuhan, who also played baseball, by the way, for the Blue Jays, ironically enough, uh, just like uh, his counterpart, uh, w- was part of that – team there that ran the scouting department from the college side until uh, Fitterer took over. So I'd be curious to see once again, you know, if, if there are some guys connected to that front office scouting wise that he might want to consider poaching or bringing over here, but yeah, this should not, this should not be the end of Carolina's front office hiring. They have to hire more competent and, experienced individuals well it doesn't even have to be experienced i don't care like you can hire like you know a 29 year old if he's really good at scouting Um, but this can't be it you have to hire more people for these roles and you have to fill out the back the back room and and i feel like i'm not you know i feel like you have to move on from um you know know, the jeff morrows and the matt allen to the world Um, well i'm yeah like Alan, the whole Alan thing kind of hit me wrong on a lot of levels, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Yeah, um, same here. But but I, I just I, feel like, but you know what I mean? Like those guys have been here for, you know, so many years. Right. Now is a time with the new head coach, a new GM to really just revamp the entire operation. Well, what, here's the thing though, Billy, and this is what I, I, the hindsight game, you can play it all day, but I, I just started thinking today about, you know, where we've been since Dave took over the team. And, you know, I'll give him this. You know, he had to take over. Not that he had to. He chose to. He bought a team as an investment. No, no, no shame. You know, no, no, no tears for him. You know, JR had his thing back in, uh, you know, 2017, the whole the scandal. And deservedly so, he was forced out and forced his way out because that's the easier path for him than fighting it. And, uh, you know, you're stuck there with Marty after <laughs> you brought him back. And Dave buys the team and, I just feel like he put that thing in a lot of ways on autopilot from the football side for a couple of years. I don't want to say he didn't care, but he had so many things going on. Very ambitious with the soccer, very ambitious with stadium. He's got his other business as well. Um, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of fire in the eye. He's got a lot of things going on right now. Maybe not so much now than he did before. So I just hope, and this is one thing I'll say about Dave, that could prove to be a very smart strategy. The jury's still out. Maybe you have to make that sacrifice as they did to, to sort of push forward. I just, I, I, something about the, 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 the order of things, you know, you, you have no, that... here, and then you fire Marty, which you need to eventually. And then the coach is already here with all the power and all the cash. <laughs> and now you're bringing in a GM who I would hope, can get along with Matt. Cause I think one thing about Matt, I don't think he's a dick or anything or an asshole, but I think it's pretty clear. He's got a strong personality and that to me can sometimes get him in trouble at times. Dave is the owner. Dave is allowed to do what Dave wants. I just hope fans understand that if they don't start winning in a year or two, this seven year contract isn't going to mean much. I, the tap's not going to go past year four without a playoff appearance. I really believe that. Yeah. If I could just respond to that, that that's certainly a good point. Um, you know, I see it a little differently than you. And I, at first, you know, when it happened after the end of 2018, I was a little disappointed that they were bringing back uh, Rivera and Herney. I, I was. And um, the reason I, did, for I that, didn't mind just real quick. I didn't mind Ron. I didn't mind Ron come back. I wanted Herney out. I wanted, well, to I, mean, yeah, I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to start revamping that side, but I, it didn't have to be a wrong thing. I would have been okay with a full cleanup, but go ahead. Well, I was fine with them coming back. And, and the reason I'll say that is because of this, you have a new owner who probably doesn't know what he's doing at that point. 
And yeah. so I'd rather just him go down the ship with Rivera and Herney and then figure it out. Now, obviously they went with the half measure approach. They got rid of just Rivera and then they went for rule. Um, but I, I think it's fine to just start on the business side because again, he's a business guy. It's totally okay. If, you know, you have the resources, you know, the financial resources to, you know, set up whatever you need to in South Carolina and the practice facility here and the stadium and all that stuff, that's stuff that you have the money for. And I'm sure you also have, um, you know, the, the, the infrastructure support, um, to get done. I, I don't really, yeah. uh, you know, in 2018, I don't think he, this guy is ready to be, um, you know, going out there and talking to different coaches and asking them what they see and what they want. So I just feel like it was, um, a kind of a, perfect in some ways it, it was a f- perfect kind of um you know, ladder to take you know yeah. as you're stepping through it Makes that's sense. just kind of how i see it. now obviously others have their own opinions but um yeah for me i think we're we're at the point now where a lot of things are going to be put under a microscope right. um, you know if if this head coach wants you know a college scouting gm um a traditional gm like he wants he got it those the final four candidates were exactly like he wanted i mean you have you have his friend pat stewart already in the front office um and they're giving him a lot of power billy yeah and and i mean it's up to him at this point i'm i'm with you man like i mean with all due respect i know urban meyer just got a you know just got hired by the Jaguars. You're no Urban Meyer. Get, Urban, the, the Urban Meyer is a winner. Urban Meyer is out on that contract now. Have they have they released the terms of the deal yet? It's going to be more than Matt Rule, but Urban Meyer deserves it. Of course he does. Yeah, no, I Matt Rule to know how much higher it was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But but that's just my point. Is like, I I like the hire. I like Matt Rule. But, you know, there were some things that I'm with you when you said at the beginning, there were some things that he kind of turned me off um, in the beginning of the year. So he has to, he has to deliver. um, Hey everyone, John Ellis here. Just wanted to tell you about Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take that podcast you have to the next level. Or, hey, if you just want to host a podcast for fun, no sweat. It's the perfect place to get your start. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, and access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the listening platforms around the world. The best part is, you get all this for $15 a month, folks, the same rate as any other hosting site is going to charge. So whether you're starting from scratch, we've all been there, or you have an existing show that you want to grow, been there too. Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application today. Go apply right now. bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. I didn't like Matt Rule for that amount of money and that amount of urgency. That's all I'll say. You know, it's not cap money. It's fine. You know, do it. Spend it if you got it. I just, it, to me, I, I'm looking at it from what your process is in terms of your decision making. And that was his first big decision as an owner. And it just struck me as a little bit, not reckless, but it was, a, you could say risky, ballsy. That's great. 
I don't know. It just seems like a lot of money to pay a guy who had a couple good wins in the Big 12. Kickstarted some good stuff with two bad programs. Great credit there. But, man, I just don't know, Bill. I, I, we'll have to see it play out. But so far, I mean, it's one year. We'll give him more time. I just think, you know, I like Matt, too, is what I'm telling you. I think he's got a lot of value. I think he does a lot of good things. But that's just, that salary is absurd for his credentials. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um... It's ridiculous. Again, not my money. I really don't care what well, you get paid. It's, it's not the money. It's it's the it's the thought process from the owner that I'm thinking of here. I agree. I, I don't know what his demands were at that point either. Um, just speaking from a market perspective, I don't know what other teams were offering him that much money. I, again, it like, doesn't sounds like the Giants were the only team that were bidding for him, but we'll never know. Yeah. So um, yeah, for me, th- this is just an opportunity for the GM to really, you know, kind of take this, excuse me, the uh, head coach to take this team forward because yeah. I mean, I don't want to hear him in a couple weeks or whenever he speaks, you know, try to play it off. Like, Oh, well, he's a GM. I'm just in the back here. Like, oh, dude, if I hear you, yeah, if I hear that again, geez, um, I don't want to hear that. And yeah. he tried to do that a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I think Joe was asking about Taylor Moton. He was yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. You got to ask Samir or something. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> well, I think what they need to do, Billy, and I've seen other orgs do this as well. It's just, and it's going to be hard with zoom. It's hard to communicate succinctly. We saw Cal McNair have a real Hank Hill moment last week on, on zoom, but he's, he's sort of a piece of crap human. I think uh, Dave needs to get together with the, the core guys and they need to come up with a communication strategy as to how to message this to the Charlotte media so they can have an understanding to do their job and understand how the, the structure here is. That's not an unfair thing to want to know. Um, it's been left secretive by many teams over the years. Of course, when you get down to the scouting level, Billy, you're not going to hear a lot of news on that because that stuff just doesn't make news. It's not something we're going to hear a lot about, but um, I, I think it's important that you know, there, there's some communication clearances there, because honestly, you got some reporters here in Charlotte that that some of them are just going through the motions. Most of them like Joe will ask tough, tough questions and it'll continue to haunt Matt if he doesn't provide some clarity. Look, if you're not involved in these decisions, we won't bring it up again, but you know, Hey, your, your DNA is all over this roster. So when you're asked about a player, who's your right tackle, probably your franchise right tackle at this point, you know, just answer the I question. I would hope. Just, yeah, well, yeah. Just answer the question. Don't deflect. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And, and just to get one more thing, I'm going to turn this conversation around. Just, um, the, you, you saw this too. I have never, like seeing people like cheering and getting upset about certain GM candidates in my life before <laughs> that was just the strangest, like, you know, kind of thing that happened through it all. And I obviously had my favorites here, Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not even sure like if they're, they were going to be good GMs or not. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so when, when it comes to, now let me just be clear. Adam Peters, um, from all indications, is a very um, smart. He is a very accomplished, and right. he is very, um, you know, well regarded. I don't think there's any disagreement. You speak to anyone with the 49ers, they'll tell you that. But one thing to realize is Adam Peters is a lifelong 49ers fan. He has a ton of autonomy within that organization. He, I, I'm, I know this for a fact because I, I was speaking to some 49ers guys and they were telling me like this guy is treated almost as if he is the de facto GM. Billy, that's Billy. That's interesting, man. I didn't and, know that about the fan part. Yeah. He's, he's from Northern California. I mean, okay. he obviously went to um, uh, UCLA. So he's lived right. on the West coast his entire life. I mean, he spent some time in, you know, with the Denver Broncos. But okay. again, I'll just classify that as a West Coast. He was a scout for the Patriots, but he lived on the West Coast the entire time because he was a West Coast, West Coast yeah. scout. So he didn't, um, you know, he didn't live in Foxborough. When you're a scout for a sp- specific area, you live in that area of the country. Um, but in, in, addition, in addition to all that, you know, this guy gets paid very well. So it's not just necessarily that, you know, the parents didn't, choose him it could have also been that the 49ers right. and their front office and their ownership kind of 
convince them to come back. Convince them to come back and also very and, and so when I see that stuff and it gets on my nerves because everyone's just making a big deal about Seattle's draft record. But go look at you know San Francisco's 2017 draft. It wasn't good. Now, right. obviously, yeah, they've done a great job since then. But I, you, I don't like, you know, saying that you know, people were saying it too about Monty Austin for because like the Patriots don't draft well. Where, where's this idea that the Patriots don't draft well? They draft amazingly well. They just don't even draft wide receivers in the first round well. Yeah, that's, just yeah, like that's the, the thing. Tackle, like, they, the tackle guard they just drafted, that beast uh, what's his name? I forget. The, the... Isaiah Wynn, Michael Amenowu. Amenowu, yeah, he's a bad absolute animal, that guy. I mean, they, yeah, so they it's well. like everyone needs to calm down. Like being yeah. a GM is not just about drafting well, players. Let me ask you this. You're, Seattle, you're... Seattle has an extremely unique system where well, they are really, very, Seattle, very... Been, these guys have been doing it there for, for 20 years. Like, yeah, so let me just finish up here one sec. Sorry. Um, so I, I just want to say this because... It, it, when you're looking at Seattle's draft record, just understand this. They have a, a very strict system where they look at athletic measurements by the tick. And what that means is if you don't have like 32 and a half inch arms, you're not going to play a certain position. Now, I don't know how flexible Matt Rule and his staff are, but I know for a fact that Pete Carroll and his staff, this is what Pete has been working on since he was recruiting at USC. They are extremely, you know, particular and picky about certain players. Now, certainly, um, you know, you can question their draft record. I, I don't know, but I, we, none of us know what the, um, what Scott Fitterer is, what kind of input he has, but just realize that it comes down from the head coach. So Matt rule is going to be the one that's going to say, Hey, this is what I want. And this is what I'm looking for. Billy, can you honestly say, even with your expertise, that you could clearly state there's one team in the league that consistently drafts well more than another? I mean, probably New Orleans. Probably, well, yeah, and that's Jeff Ireland in, in, in large part and Sean Payton. But I, I think my point here is I think there, there's some mythology out there that there are certain organizations that are just hitting home runs every year and never missing. And like the Patriots narrative, you're right. Uh, they get things right more than they don't. It's the reason they've won so many championships. It's not just Brady or, or Belichick. It's the guys they've harnessed through the draft. Right. And your point about uh, Pete, I'll start to interrupt you. No, I think that's, that's very compelling information. Uh, the, the sports science data, um, you've talked about spark scores, I believe during the combine, you know, some of the things that you focus on from a performance measurement perspective. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that that becomes a bit of not, if not the standard, some of that influence enters the building. And you wonder with Matt too, how many times did we hear about sports science and, and analytics from, from the, from Dave, from Matt, from everybody. So I guess it's just time it, we're in 2021 now, Billy, to go ahead and show the media and show the fans that, okay, now you've got the GM, the coach is your guy. Now you've, you're getting on, you know, year four, year five now as your owner. Um, let's start to see how this thing operates. And ultimately, and I, yeah, it's, it, you got to, at some point you can have all the well, the bells and whistles you want in the front office. You can build the biggest stadium in the world but you are what your record is. And if you continue on a pretty healthy roster with your core guys to lose, you know, double digit games, uh, it's, something's got to change. So I, I would, I'm not trying to paint a negative picture here. I do like, you know, once again, his Seattle influence coming here, I guess I'm an influence guy. I always sort of look at things the way I did with Joe Brady about the Sean Payton influence. I just football people. I know that I respect if, if, taught me a long time ago that the apple doesn't really fall far from these trees. So I'm hoping that the 20 years he spent in an organization that has had a lot of success in that uh, span will, uh, will serve us well here, but we'll see. I mean, it's just too early to tell to your point again, you know, I think your Twitter, here's the thing too, 15 candidates is unheard of. I mean, that's, you know, I've never seen that. So that's sort of, I mean, it thing. certainly helps when you're doing the majority of them on zoom. Yeah. It helps on zoom. And that, that's a good point. But I, I think from a from a narrative fan standpoint, the sports talk shows are responsible for some of this too. I'm sure I've done a few of tweets that have stoked the fires on it. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I, it's just fodder, Billy. This this fan base has been going through some turds of seasons here lately, and all of a sudden, Marty Herney, who was not very well regarded by too many people cheering for the football team, um, is is gone. 
and now you've get this buffet of choices presented to you and it, it gets to be an exciting exercise for some who may not I don't want to sound smug, but here it is. They're not sophisticated enough to understand what they don't know, which is just, oh, hey, I agree. there's just nothing here. Yeah. I, at that point, when I saw Bill Bo's tweet, I just pretty much said, I'm, I'm done. I mean, there's nothing, he's right. There's nothing to glean from any of this other than, you know, maybe one guy has a connection to another guy, but yeah. This, if you know, I could just respond. Yeah. Just let it play out. I mean, to be indignant and say, if Adam Peters doesn't get this job, I'm going to jump out my window. It's like, <laughs> you just yeah. examine your life for a minute and realize it's going to be okay. Yeah. It, it, the only thing I will respond to is I'm not going to you know, question anyone um, for wanting a certain candidate that that's totally fine. And oh, I'm not oh, oh. Um, you know, going to sit here and um, you know, bemoan anyone who wanted Adam Peters or maybe they wanted Ryan Poles no, or they wanted someone else. And, and, and that's totally, you know, within your right. And that's, I'm not trying to look down on anyone for wanting someone else. Well, what I, but I'm all I'm saying is don't judge someone just because of their organization where they're coming from. Yes, I, I agree. Seattle maybe not drafted well, but again, you have to understand the context of their situation. And I also think that you shouldn't just look at, you know, what Seattle did in 2010 and 2012, you know, as indication that they are like the best front office in the history of the NFL, um, because they're not, and they're going to make mistakes. Drafting is very, very hard. No one's going to be able to just hit 90% of the time, right. but what, um, I am encouraged by that with this hire is they're hiring a guy from a front office that routinely trades down. Now that's certainly gives you more shots at the apple uh, because like I said, no one is perfect. And that's why when you have more draft picks, you can try to hit on more picks, yeah. you know, and that's been the issue with this team for so many years. And uh, you know, just my final point here, John, is this, and I, I know you brought this up, you know, early, just a second ago and, um, I'm totally with you that ultimately the owner is um, the one responsible for um, this organization. And I'm hundred percent in agreement with there, but I think, you know, you know, my stance, I I just feel like this organization needs um, a jolt um, on the analytics side of things. So uh, that's why I was a lot of kind of, I I wasn't encouraged, but I was happy to hear him say that, you know, after they fired Herney. Now, I was also happy to see some of the candidates, you know, have a more of an analytics approach, whether it was Brent Tillis or, um, you know, the gentleman in Cleveland. Um, I can't remember his name. Cam, I just call him Cam. Yeah, Cam. Yeah. So I, I was well, encouraged to see those interviews. But, you know, like if we're going to go off Joe Person's reporting, and for my book, Joe was probably the best <laughs> – you know, guy covering the team at oh, this moment. Oh, he's the best source guy out there. Um, and if he's gonna, yeah, and, and so if he's going to say that, you know, Tepper wanted analytics and Herney, or excuse me, uh, Rule wanted, uh, you know, kind of your traditional GM mold, well, they, their final four was your traditional GM. So 100%, like the owner ultimately is, you know, the fall option. But for me right now, just looking at it from my perspective, uh, this is on that rule. And I, I, I really do think like um, I'm, I'm – 1000% with you, you know, when it comes to judging this owner. And I think that the owner um, should be judged based on what the head coach does. And for us fans, we should be judging the head coach because he's giving us, absolutely. you know, he's given so much resources. This is, you know, essentially his handpicked GM. And I'm encouraged by some of the things I've read and I've right. seen from Scott Fitter. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the clock is ticking for Matt Rule. I've seen, you know, over the years, Billy, I've seen coaches come in on their first year on a much lower number with, you know, a, a, a different approach or whatever and make the playoffs or they come in and they win nine games or they're in their second year and they're going to the conference tied. I mean, it happens. Uh, also, first-time owners, I'll make this point too, Generally speaking, going back to Cleveland, Buffalo, uh, you can look just at that late 90s, 2010s. They tend to struggle with the first few hires. Um, the Haslam's have gone through this obviously more than anybody. The uh, the Pagulas, uh, it, it happens. So I think it's important to understand owning an NFL franchise, just like doing a draft, is not easy. It's not easy to be a what he likes to call a, a consistent winner, I guess, the Pittsburgh model. Um, that's not an easy place to get to. That takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of precision. And, and most importantly, it takes confidence. And I, 
I will say this about Matt. I, I don't want to get into a, a rabbit hole about going backwards with it. I'll just say continue to monitor because, you know, <laughs> he was brought here with the understanding that you get a lot of freedom. You're going to make some lot of the choices and get some autonomy in some areas. And I think that that proves true today with some of the comments. But if the winds don't come and Tepper's given him that much freedom and that much money, you know, Dave, Dave likes you to a certain point. Billy, I've read a lot about this Tepper guy for the years. He's cutthroat, man. And it's not going to take long if the losing doesn't stop for him to say, you know what, look, what do we got to do here? I've even let you sign some veterans on offense. I gave you Bridgewater. I gave you Anderson. You know, what What? What can we do now to move forward? So I think – Senator McCaffrey. Uh, the McCaffrey thing too. I mean, that, that one's wearing on me as well. So, I mean, you just got a lot of big decisions coming up here, not just with, you know, some players, like you said, they've got to restructure their organization from an uh, analytics perspective. They got to give that some visibility, Billy, too. give the media a chance to see it. How does it work? Where, what did you mention a franchise to me on our pod a while back? I think somebody did about their, their, their analytics room, their, their building they have, um, I think it was Jordan talking about the uh, Rams. Right. That's what I'd like to see. Just some visibility. How, how does it look? What I can speak on. Um, So obviously they have Taylor Radjic. Now I I know there was a couple guys. I I don't know. Here's what I can say. One former analytics guy, he was following me. He still follows me on Twitter. I'm I'm not going to reveal who he is. Um, but him and I had a conversation. He said that, that the analytics team that when he was there and he was first hired um, by Tepper, I believe. So he came like in 2019, but he left after a year uh, oh. because he had some other opportunities. It wasn't through a lack of um, any issues with your organization, but he just told me like, it's about two to three or four guys right now. Oh. Um, and, but they were discussing kind of, adding more to it sure um, yeah. now i don't know how big it is at this certain point um but th- this was last off season when they mentioned that i just you know it, it, you have to be modern you, you can't sit here and just you know right act as if everything is we're still operating in 2005 no, you know, the game is changing you know front officers are changing the ones who have the cutting edge are the ones who are acting as if this is 2021 well, and, and the reason I, I like talking to you, Billy, and I've, I've, I've gotten to know you quite well over the last year is, you know, you, you understand both sides of it, you know, distinctly in terms of the value. Uh, most, most people you end up getting into a position with in terms of fights on Twitter are those who just think it's all about pounding ground. Analytics people are, are nerds and it's just not even worth giving them attention. And analytics folks, look, they have value in terms of giving you data like Ben Baldwin's account. I am not a numbers guy by nature, Billy, but I love following that bot that goes out on every game. Like the, the percentage is just a good idea, bad idea. People like that need to be, you know, need to be in positions of authority more than they are right now in the NFL. And, and I hope that Taylor and, and those that are in that department continue. If I'd ask you this, cause this is your expertise, not, not mine. I'm learning what, what would be the model franchise right now in terms of, of how they operate from an analytics perspective. I would say people are going to laugh, but I would probably say uh, Minnesota. Okay. I think they do a lot of really good things. I know that, you know, you're going to laugh about Kirk Cousins and, you know, they were seven or nine and blah, blah, blah. But, but just look at their processes and look at how they operate. Um, Baltimore, though, actually that, excuse me, Baltimore is certainly at the top. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this is an organization that has an identity. They have an identity. And what's their identity? They play tough nosed rugged football. You can still, if Matt Rule wants to have, you know, bring his tough guy mantra stick here. Exactly. Follow yourself after Baltimore. Billy, Billy, real quick about that. I don't want to interrupt you. I want to get your thoughts on that too. But John Harbaugh is as old school as they come and give him credit also for understanding it was time to start looking things through a different lens. You don't have to cut your, cut your junk off and be exposed as some sort of, you know, pansy boy for trusting numbers. There's this still this stigma about it. And I give Harbaugh a ton of credit for understanding. We need to be better in this area. Help me get better. And look, they've gotten better. 
No, I mean, but just even going back to like when they first came back to Baltimore, which is 96, you know, when they had Brian Billick and they won those championship, that championship, the, Brian Billick is an, a former offensive coordinator for the Vikings that are under the screen, but what was their identity? It was defense. And that's yep. just been like their entire mantra and the identity they've built, even go to go to Pittsburgh under Bill Cowher. Yeah. And now Tomlin, this is a team that's built on having a very tough team that's built on the line of scrimmages and it's built on a very strong, rugged defense. And, you know, Baltimore has Lamar Jackson, the flashy new toy and the guy who's able to do so many different things. But at the end of the day, their identity is built on defense. Yeah. Uh, so just you know, wrap yourself around in an identity, an organizational one, and just move forward. You know, Carolina, you know, it, it's supposed to be similar. I mean, you, we're talking about going back to 2002, you know, looking at the defenses that we've been able to kind of have here and then even, you know, during some of those Rivera years, it was a very tough, rugged defense um, running the ball and kind of pounding rock. If that's what you want to be, then be that. But, you know, look how modern Baltimore's taken the, just like their entire um, operation, starting from the football side to, um, you know, to everything they do in the personnel side too. I mean, Derek DaCosta just, you know, they incorporate a lot of analytics, but at the end of the day, they're also still doing a lot of, you know, traditional football guy methods. And I, I feel like that's, that's a very it. good front office to monitor. That's just it. Yeah. And Bashadi as well, you know, he, he came right in as an owner and he had some advantages too, but you're talking about what are the challenges of being an owner in your first year or two? Well, you know, some owners come in and they're able to identify the right fits for what they need and they start winning games and they don't take three or four years. I just simply don't agree with the notion that you have to reserve three or four years, even three to start expecting results. I think that's, I don't want to say it's a losing mentality. It's just sandbagging. I mean, just stop talking about three years and just let's go play ball and see what happens. Um, by the way, the, the Raven Scott Cohen is their director of football research. He's been in the league for almost 30 years now. So he, he runs that side of it. Megan McLaughlin, I believe her name is director of football informations, Dan Parsons. Yeah. They, they, I'm looking at their media guide right now. They have quite a bit of analytics going on here in terms of their staff. They have a whole department of coaching analysts. Um, it's impressive. So, I mean, yeah, I just, that, that, that's gonna, sort of like the model I would hope that they yeah. aspire to be. And, and then just to cut you off, it looks like the hire was made official. Just saw that too. Five-year deal. Um, so, I mean, I'm not shocked. There's no terms. I don't, you know, really care. It's not my business, but five years, that's about what you'd expect. Uh, we thought Scott was the best fit for the organization quote, uh, says David Tepper, uh, as he talks about going through the final four. So uh, yeah, um, just, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go. Just uh, another quick update here. It looks yeah. like uh there's a lot of strong hints towards Arthur, Arthur Smith being the Falcons coach. Right. Um, and I just saw Justine Anderson reported that Robert Sala is probably going to be the Jets coach. So oh, you can wow. take okay. those two, um, those two plus Jacksonville off the list. So that leaves, if Joe Brady does get a job, it's probably going to come from um, Philadelphia or the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't know Chargers. if he's interviewed for the Lions job yet. I think he might have. Might have. Yeah, and again, we're coming to you uh, on t uh, Thursday night around 10.15. So when we release this, just know we're we're reading this in that time. Yeah, so Salah's going to the Jets, it looks like. And, uh, yeah, you know, Joe Brady got a lot of interviews. Uh, but the pool of availability shrinks here by the day. And, you know – if he does indeed come back, I think it's just a situation kind of like Chud, you know, he, he gets a lot of interest early on um, and you just have to keep going forward. And maybe it would be a good thing, you know, for him. Uh, but you have to see, there's still three teams out there that, that could use his assistance. Uh, yeah. It looks like a uh, Shefford has confirmed that Robert Sala will be the Jets coach. So that's uh three higher. So it's interesting people. Some people have been a little critical of hiring defensive coaches uh, because you know, those coach, um, I mean, if they're successful, that probably means that they have a good offense. And if they have a good offense, yeah. that means they'll, they'll poach your offensive coordinator. Yeah, there, there's that side of it. Yeah, I heard, you know, guys talk about this on NFL radio. The other day. Pat and Jim were mentioning that same point that, you know, you hire a DC, you're, you're going to eventually run into a situation where if you're OC, 
uh, is, is getting results. Yeah. You might have to go, but that's, you know, the, usually that's the cost of winning. You, you, Carolina faced it after a five and 11 season and they can't even get the thing going with Joe Brady yet because he's already interviewing. I, I hope he sticks around. I really do. I know a lot of fans, you know, are, are really giving him a lot of grief right now because I, I think there's a, a narrative and I might be responsible for some of it, but I don't think it's unfair about the enemy being, you know, completely looked at and regarded as, you know, a, a second class in terms of interview and second class in terms of candidate. Joe, if you could come back another year, get McCaffrey healthy, because that contract's not going anywhere, unfortunately. That's, that's what it is. Let's see this offense uh, one more time and, and what he can do, because Joe's brought some juice and Joe's brought some good ideas here. Just give him some more time. But uh, if he gets the job, good for him. I mean, it's it's the nature of it. Yeah. So I, I just hope for one more year, at least they keep him. Give me one more year of Joe Brady, and uh, we can figure it out from there. And it's Anthony Lynn time, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was hoping you Let's would. Let's just keep Jeff. Jeff Nixon will be good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, congratulations, Panthers fans. You have a new general manager, and his name is not Marty Herney. It's uh, Mr. Fitterer, Scott Fitterer. For Billy Marshall, this is John Ellis. Thanks for joining us right here on Blue Wire. Have a good night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.